0: slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids. from today um we do another podcast every friday called the mark striegel show and my co-host on that is victor ruiz who has done a lot of co-hosting here on talking metal through the years but we figured we kind of do this episode of talking metal more in the format of the mark striegel show and so without further ado victor how are you man doing good how are you mark I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me for an additional podcast this week. As I mentioned, we do a podcast that we post every Friday. And this week you're joining me for the Tuesday episode of Talking Metal. We just heard a passage to Bangkok by Rush. Of course, the big news last week, we lost Neil Peart. And pretty crazy, pretty crazy. I have to admit, I was surprised, but not shocked because i'd heard a rumor like two years ago that he had brain cancer i mean i heard that rumor and told i remember telling a lot of people not a lot of people a handful of people and was kind of shot down like oh that's bullshit don't believe that but (laughs) it, it was it was true i guess i guess um i heard from some people up in canada i think the 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 Mitches were talking about it up there. My friends, mm. Mitch Lafon, maybe Mitch Joel, somebody else. I can't remember. And they weren't even sure if it was true. But I remember hearing that rumor at some point a few years ago, and never really publicly put it out there because a it was you know it's a medical thing, and b I I really at first believed it, and then started to think yeah maybe it's not true, but yeah kind kind of. Uh, Kind of weird, and wow, what a major loss for the rock world. Not only a great drummer, but uh, the lyricist of Rush. What were your thoughts? Are you a big Rush fan, Victor? I don't even know if what your relationship is with that band.
2: Yeah, you know, Rush is a band that I can't consider myself a, a huge fan of, but... Um... I think that there are songs in their catalog that I absolutely love. And then there's a bunch that I'm not that familiar with right. that doesn't take away from the fact that, uh, they're amazing musicians. Um, and I actually have a, a Blu-ray of theirs that, um, at, at around the time that I got my Blu-ray player it was one of the only like concert things that was available to me. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not a huge fan, but let me get this. And And I played it a ton of times because it's just cool to see them, play this stuff live and, you know, mostly, uh, Neil Peart with, with the way that, um, that he plays, he, he was amazing. You know, whether you're a big fan or not, uh, I think it's undeniable. Just what a powerhouse of drummer he was and, um, how influential he was as far as, uh, you know, I, I think if you really dissect what he brought to the table as a drummer, Uh, if you really look at a lot of obviously progressive metal bands that are out there now, uh, but also like a lot of, I would say, you know, death metal and black metal bands, the way that their drummers play, that they're always doing something, whether, you know, whether whether it's appropriate or not in the song. I think a lot of that comes from, from him as well, where he was always busy filling in notes and different things, uh, with different percussive elements, uh, during the you know the 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 songs and and as you mentioned you know just the the lyrics um because it it was funny when this happened you know i sent you a text message and you know instantly i went to facebook and and one of the interesting or most interesting posts that kind of has stuck with me uh since friday was uh john leon of white wizard fame and he's always professed that Maiden and Rush are his two biggest influences, and he wrote something to the effect of, you know, people don't understand when I say, you know, that I cried when this musician died or when the other this other one died, and he said, you know, finding out that, you know, uh, he just died this afternoon, he wrote something to the effect of, Um, You know, I've been, you know, teary-eyed all day. You know, he was a huge influence. And it made me think, you know, whether I was a big fan or not, a lot of these songs, you know, I was playing them for my wife and for my kids this weekend. A lot of these songs, you kind of grew up with them if you listen to terrestrial rock radio. I mean, how many hits did they have that are still played today on the radio? You know, a lot of people go – you know, point towards, you know, Tom Sawyer and stuff like that. But there's, there's close, you know, 10 to 15 songs that were continuously played on the radio. So it's almost like losing um, someone who, or, you know, a part of an aspect of music that you've connected with right. so much over the years. So, I mean, I, I, Li- listening to the lyrics probably a little bit more in depth than i have ever with rush you know because so much was made out of him being a, a lyricist yeah i i got totally where uh where john was coming from where when he mentioned that so yeah. i mean i i think it's a tremendous loss and and i mentioned this to you it was weird that things like um cnn and um dateline hollywood and and a lot of other sites that are outside of you know blabbermouth and brave words and rolling stone picked up on it and they picked up on it right away so i mean i think that's really like a tip of the hat to how important he was as a musician and how much this band whether they were huge or not how how much you know they were really influential to uh to to definitely rock culture over the years
0: yeah and i i think what you said there, you know, with CNN and, and major news outlets picking up the story that that's what should have happened, and I'm glad that it did happen because you know, in, in like you said, in the past we've seen some of our rock heroes die who have sold millions of records and it, they're simply ignored by the the press, the you know, the non music press. So, yeah, good good for those outlets for reporting this because this was a major band that sold millions and millions of records and had an enormous cultural impact. And a big part of that was Neil Peart. Cause again, not only was this guy, the drummer of the band, he was the lyricist and man, I go back my, my two big rush records. And I, you know, I love all, you know, I love all spirit of the, uh, the radio. One of my favorite all time tunes free will another great one but for me the two big records and back in the day before spotify and apple music and having every album at the tip of your fingertips you couldn't as a kid you know growing up i I, i'm born in 1969 so as a kid growing up in the late 70s and early 80s uh throughout the 80s and even into the 90s you couldn't afford always to have every album by every band that you liked. So you kind of had to pick your poison. For me, those two records, two of my favorite all-time records were Moving Pictures and 2112 by Rush. Those were my two Rush records and the ones I just wore the groove grooves off of and we, we heard a little music off of 2112 earlier in this episode i did uh, you know on a personal note i did get to see rush three times live um and each one was a, a tremendous uh, memory for me i grace under pressure with gary moore opened that show that was really oh, kind of wow. my second biggest uh, my second big concert i first saw motley Crue with saxon opening and then that was in a theater because motley crew wasn't that big at that time and then on grace under pressure i guess that would have been 80 84 um the way i'm remembering it i saw at the rosemont horizon my friend terry and i went and his uncle who he lived with took us to the the show and went into the show with us and that was a great memory too and then i saw them in 1988 was the next time i saw them you know what like four years later when i was in college i saw them in worcester massachusetts i'm not sure i noticed they did two dates in worcester they played december first or december 2nd 19 actually did i say 88 no it was 87 so they played december 2nd 1987 And December 3rd, 1987, and that was the Hold Your Fire Tour, which I did a YouTube video a couple days ago, and I think I said I saw them on the Roll the Bones Tour in 88, which was incorrect. It was actually the Hold Your Fire Tour in late 87. And then I saw them, you know, I don't know, 12 years ago or so at Radio City Music Hall in New York City on the 30th anniversary tour. And that was the last time i saw them live but going back to the set list that i saw in 1987 in worcester massachusetts december 1987 opened with big money subdivisions limelight marathon turn the page prime mover what's prime mover i don't know that's the song I, I would have to look that one up i don't know that one uh, off the top of my head manhattan project closer to the heart red sector a force 10 time stand still distant early warning lock and key mission territories yyz the rhythm method into the drum solo spirit of the radio tom sawyer encore was 2112 the temple of cyrnix la villa's strang strangato that cool instrumental i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right in the mood uh excuse me no red brigetta, i guess wow that's interesting because i do believe on grace under pressure and the 30th anniversary tour they did play red red brigetta. but um yeah good stuff and wow what a band and again for me uh 2112 was always an interesting record because you know i i loved that um First side, and then it, the second side slowly grew on me. I remember I, I was first really into a passage to Bangkok and the close Bangkok and the closer something for nothing, and it was those songs in between there, like I think it's like Twilight Zone and Lessons that I, I always kind of lifted the needle over those three songs, but <laughs> right. eventually those really got into me, uh, into my my DNA, and and man, every song now on that record is just. Such a uh, an important thing for me, as well as and the same with moving pictures. You know, first it was like side one was just such a perfect rock, you know, shorter songs and just just a perfect rock experience. And then side two, it took a little bit more, uh, you know, patience and diving in deeper to those songs on side two. But wow, two tremendous records by a, a great band that will never play again really i mean there's no way we'll ever see rush again and i i can't imagine them ever doing anything under the rush uh name ever again so interesting what i was thinking what do you think of like should they do some sort of like benefit like alex and and getty and get uh, different drummers to come up and play with them that that would be kind of cool you know
2: well that's that's something that i wanted to bring up um because all right, so let's think of the timing a little. They said he was he had brain cancer for what the last three and a half years, and they stopped touring what five years ago.
0: Ah uh, yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but that sounds about right.
2: Yeah, so I mean, they've been shooting down for the longest time, um rush playing again, and they said, well, you know, maybe uh Getty and Alex will play again together how much of this do you think maybe because they knew that whatever he had that there was kind of no turning back and now that you know maybe neil's gone maybe this opens the door to them playing again together maybe not as you said under the rush um name but maybe under some other name or maybe do a bunch of benefits like like you mentioned i think that that would definitely be cool um, but you also have to you know what drummers do you, do you plug in there? I mean obviously uh Mike Portnoy would be a name that would be interesting there, Danny Carey from tool, which is who they they did uh apparently passage to Bangkok part of it the other night um after he passed away um but how much how much do you think them not playing together had to do with you know them knowing that that Neil was gonna die and uh, you know what? What drummers would you like to right. see with them? Uh,
0: I mean, the ones you like, Portnoy and, and and Danny from Tool, obviously. They those are obvious ones that I think uh, would would work. And I know Alex Lifeson is a big Tool fan. Um, I I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, part of me doesn't want to see it. To, to be honest, I think you just <laughs> just leave right. it. Everyone always. It's got to mess with things, and you know, Getty's voice isn't what it what it used to be. But and there's another part of me that would like to see it. So I, I don't know. Let's let me let me think about other drummers that I I think they have to be bigger names. Like I I don't think I mean Richard Christie or something would be cool, but I just don't think that he's a big enough name for right. for something like that. Um I mean, I I think you know the guy Ta- Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl obviously not technically quite at least at least Grohl's not not technically quite what Neil Peart was but yeah they're not they're, the same style yeah but they're big enough names and mm-hmm. you know Grohl has almost become this like spokesman for rock in general that I would think he would need to be uh, involved just to bring attention to it i'm trying to think uh, who else i he mean inducted
2: s- them in the rock and roll oh, did he okay
0: too. all right yeah. i did not know that so that makes sense i would say Stuart copeland of the police you know would be a a good person to have involved and i think he issued a statement about it uh yeah who else man i don't know i mean don't know I mean what you're saying makes sense. Uh, Lars Ulrich, I mean again not anywhere close to what Neil Peart was <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, technically, but mm-hmm. a massive rock star and a big name who would bring attention to it and help, you know, raise money if they were raising money for a foundation or whatever. So I mean to me I know people are like, "Oh, well, Lars, well he can never play Neil Peart." But yeah, it's not about that. It's about, you know, raising awareness and and bringing attention to what's going on there. I don't know. Who else?
2: Yeah, I mean, to to your point, if, you know, there's probably a lot of guys like, uh, uh, I don't know, like a Gene Hoagland or people of that caliber, but it's similar yeah, to Richard No one Christie, knows,
0: you know? knows who that yeah. is, you know. I mean, yeah. Chris Adler, Lamb of God, yeah, sure, but that's not like a household name, you know, so right, I, I don't right, know. But I guess at the end of the day, it would be up to whoever whoever the guy's in, You know whoever getty and and alex would want to do that but i i think it would be cool to do something like that in this you know it doesn't have to be on the stadium level that the freddie mercury tribute was back in the day but i i think something in that same vein could be really cool where all these guests come up and to to what i said before where getty's voice isn't quite what it was well maybe guest singers come up and play these songs and Sure. I mean, I mean Rush was an enormous band and and when you look back, I always feel like people has have like fuzzy vision when it comes to 2020, especially younger people. They're like, well, back in the 70s, the Ramones were on the radio and Black Sabbath was on the radio and all this <laughs> stuff right. and they weren't. They weren't. They those weren't, bands yeah. weren't weren't on the radio, but Rush was. Rush was, right. you know, had a had a bunch of songs really when you when you think about it that that got radio play and that's how i discovered rush through it wasn't through word of mouth like i did with you know sabbath it was it was uh it was definitely the the fm radio rock stations really embraced bands like like rush and triumph scorpions those mm-hmm. were all big big bands where Sabbath really wasn't a big radio band in the, in the seventies. You know, they weren't the Ramones, they never got on the radio, maybe college radio and here and there, not but until
2: the nineties, yeah. you know, that's not, not until around early nineties, around the time that grunge hit, did, did the Ramones get any airplay? You know, like you're saying, what, what got airplay? Maybe the song pet cemetery around the time the movie came right, out. Right. And yeah. we're talking about what? 86, 87. You never heard I want to be sedated unless it was exactly what you said, some type of a college thing or like some midnight radio shift when, you know, DJs were allowed to pick their own shit outside of that. You know, uh, like I said before, you know, you look at Rush, Working Man, Free Will, uh, Spirit of the Radio, Closer to the Heart, Tom Sawyer, Red Bear Cheddar, Limelight, Subdivisions, New World Man, Distant Early Warning. Red Sector 8 to a point, uh, Big Money was a big MTV
0: song. I mean, I, and, they used to play Free Will on the radio, like where yeah. I lived. You know, um, YYZ would get radio play. Uh,
2: the uh, 2112 songs you mentioned as well. The uh, well, What other band got like a 10-minute song on the fucking radio? They, they right. did. Maybe Zeppelin, you
0: know? yeah. 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 Yeah, but yeah, so... Uh, it is uh, the end of the, an era, and again, those lyrics that he wrote were just so good. And some of them were yep. cheesy, you know, like song like "The Trees." I, I always thought, I mean, it was a good message. It, it really mm-hmm. was a good message. It, it, that, and I understand what they what he was trying to do with it, but those lyrics, specifically for that song, I always thought were a little little hokey, but. Sometimes cheesy is good, you know? And I, I really yeah. loved, like, like the story behind Red uh, Brigetta and the, the futuristic uh, kind of sci-fi story of that. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, back on 2112, I mean, that whole side one, that was an epic story. But even uh, the song we heard earlier in the podcast, I mean, that, <clears throat> that had a little story. So this guy was a storyteller. You know, a lot of times yeah. lyrics... Might not tell tell stories. Sometimes they're more just you know moments in time or or poetry that is more vague. But a lot of the the lyrics were not vague. And if you've seen the Rush documentary that Sam Dunn did a number of years back, you already know what I'm going to say. But if you haven't seen it, I do recommend that as as viewing material. You know the the one of the most famous Rush lyrics. Uh, Speaks volumes about Neil Peart, and we're talking about the song "Limelight," and I can't—I think the lyric says, "I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend." Mm -hmm. Uh, I might have a word or two off there, but that was—that was—that was was really interesting lyric, and it's revealed in that documentary that that was about the Rush fans, you know, and 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 in a way, it was a, a diss at the fans of Rush that. Neil, unlike Getty and Alex, were very outgoing and always shaking hands, signing autographs, uh, I- embracing the limelight. Neil didn't like to have to pretend that a, a Rush fan, a stranger, was a friend. He didn't he didn't want to have to pretend and be fake and and that was that was how he viewed the fans he wasn't he wasn't quite as open towards them there was always a kind of keep your distance between him and the rush fan base uh, and you may disagree but that was how what i actually took from the rush yeah. documentary and yeah so always it was crazy to think i i would have never thought that that was actually about the rush fans i can't pretend a stranger is a long awaited friend and yeah. written by neil pert and that kind of ties into his death because here he was sick for at least 3 years battling this and the more i think about when i was told about that rumor that he had brain cancer i mean it was a, it it could have been even it could have been 2 years ago but it could have also been 4 years ago mm-hmm. i mean i'm guessing it was like 3 years ago or so but yeah so he kept this pretty quiet i mean cuz it wasn't something that was I mean, Eddie Van Halen, we know is sick, you know, or or not doing well, or you know, David Lee Roth said that, and and people have been speculating. That's kind of been out there, but I think a lot of people with Neil Peart did not see this coming, you know, right. and so that ties in directly to that lyric of about his privacy. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. somebody who was going to get on there and you know talk about his his death. I mean, I can't think of. You know, like a Warren Zevon or somebody who went out there and let everybody know I'm dying. You know, Neil Pert never mm-hmm. never did that. There was no goodbye to the fans. You know, there was no yeah. final statement from him to the fans, and that is very Neil, in my my opinion.
2: Yeah, that's and and I saw an interview this morning where he kind of explained that a little further, and he mentioned that when he you actually say got, he
0: what, who, Neil
2: Neil, yeah where he talked about the influence for that specific line. And he said that he had seen an interview with an author that the author pretty much said, you know, at a book signing that all these people wanted, you know, the, his picture and this and that. And that somebody said, you know, I have um, I identify with you because of this or because of that. And, and the author pretty much said, no, you, you actually don't because we're, we're two completely different people you know, um, what I write, I'm not telling you, you know, a hundred percent, uh, a story or whatever. I'm giving you my angle on it. And I'm not, and with that, I'm not telling you everything involved. It's up to you to kind of take your own kind of opinion away and, and form your own idea of what's, what I'm trying to tell you. And he said that, you know, that he, saw that the author said, you know, you really don't know me, you really don't understand me, you know my workings, you know what I do for a living, and you, you know, you buy my books and read them, but it's still up to your interpretation. And uh, Neil Peart thought that that was exactly how he felt, and he he goes on to explain, you know, the difference between, you know, introverted people and extroverted people, how some are celebrated and how the others are seen as as stuck up or or maybe uh, think that they're better than other people. But he's, he goes on to say, you know, I'm a very introverted person. You know, if you're my friend, I'll, you know, joke with you. I'll talk to you for hours. You know, I'll strike up conversations about things that, you know, we have in common. And he says, but if not, you know, I really don't have anything else going on. You know, it's kind of great that you love my music, but we really don't have anything else to share. So he he goes on to say, you know, I have no problem taking, you know, the occasional picture and this, that and the other thing. But, you know, it it really bugs him that people come up to him and, and would say that, you know, that they that they knew him or right. or what. So, so and think about how they how other bands, you know, like Kiss is on the end of the road tour for X amount of years, Sabbath, the, the end. Um rush finished and they didn't even say, Hey, we're done. You know, not officially. Right. They didn't go out there and, you know, do a, a big celebration where, you know, they could have. They probably could have, you know, said, Hey, one more show in uh you know, in Toronto, which is where they're from, and they probably could have sold out, you know, a big stadium. And but they chose not to. They just chose to do things their way and end on their terms and, you know, you gotta kind of applaud them for, for doing that and not you know kind of uh panning to live nation or to ticketmaster or anyone like that and news has come out today that um aeg offered them i don't know how much to do a residency in vegas where they would only have to play i think it was something like uh four shows a month wow um for for like two years or something like that and they flat out turned them down and I guess the guy that runs AEG said that you know they were his first concert and that they're one of his all-time favorite bands and that he threw money at them like there was no tomorrow, but there was no no way of getting them to commit.
1: Right. right.
2: So um, here's here's another question that I had for you um, where we've talked about this on the other podcast where a lot of people's um, credibility skyrockets after their death where maybe they've you know received um you know uh, props from from the general media or fan base or even people that aren't fans as a result of their death do you think that you know uh with neil perk passing away that it's that same type of uh people you know, or that same type of attention that he's garnering? Or do you think that it, everything that he's receiving is is justified? Like, we've talked about how, you know, with, um, you know, certain people dying under tragic circumstances, they're catapulted. But I, I, I guess, where am right. I going?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. And I mean, I yeah. do think, I, I do think this is a tragic circumstance, brain cancer at age 67 um mm-hmm. there's there's no doubt that that's tragic is it tragic like dimebag daryl getting murdered at whatever he was what late 30s or something or four, mm-hmm. 40 years old i don't even know how old he was but is is it tragic on that level um no but but it's uh, it's definitely tragic i i don't I think I think um, what we're seeing, you know, Justin Trudeau, the the what is he, the president, the prime, prime minister, minister of yeah. Canada talking about him? I mean, that that's that's some that's that's pretty big. You know, that's pretty big They have some, you know, the, the leader of your home country talking about you. I do. He did die in California, so I'm assuming he was living in in California, Neil Peart, when he died. But uh, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I I don't I don't think it's gonna propel him to be any more, uh, you know, legendary or godlike than he was already. Because I, I do think he was, you know, as far as drummers go, and and just fans go. I mean, he was pretty pretty iconic, pretty big already. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is gonna propel him into legendary status any more so than he may have already been. Okay. Uh, that's just me. I don't know. Disagree. Yeah. yeah, he did. You know, another thing on another note, he he did really change the sound of this band because let's, let's remember that Rush existed before Neil Peart. And when you go right. back and you listen to <laughs> working man and, and some of that real early, what, what was on that first finding my way was on that first record, right? That, yep. that was, that was really, um, Kind of Zeppelin-esque You know They were almost like This Zeppelin Kind of knockoff Wannabe type of Thing going on there Maybe Maybe You know Some heavier Blue cheer Kind of Thrown in there As an influence The Who Uh, But They really became In my humble opinion They became a progressive band On that second album When when, When Neil joined And Neil took The lyrics To a new level And Neil took the the timings and the rhythms to to a new wet re, ugh, can't talk to a new level with "Fly By Night," a record that also I, I really love. You know, that's when I got into a little later in life when I was in high school. Again, I mentioned it was "Moving Pictures" in twenty one twelve, but "Fly By Night" was a song that was always on the radio, and you know, yeah. I always I always loved that. But you know, Neil Pert came in and wrote. Ninety percent of the lyrics on that record. I mean, there were a couple songs. I think Best I Can Getty Lee wrote. Maybe maybe there's another one on that record. But he wrote he started writing all the lyrics and, and really took their sound with his drumming patterns to to a new place. And mm-hmm. yeah, so what a loss. We're talking about Neil Peart, uh born in when what, what is he like nineteen fifty? I had that up on the screen and now I don't have it. Let's see. Personnel. Oh, here we go. Uh, On Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, born September 12th, 1952 and died January 7th, 2020 at age 67. Far too young to to leave us. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well. Let's uh, let's kind of segue. You know, I, I do like to keep these to thirty, forty minutes, and we're playing some music too. But I know it's a tough topic to segue off of. But you mentioned to me earlier the uh, nonsense with L.A. Guns, <laughs> a right. band that put out a great record last year, by the way. And I Absolutely. saw I saw both versions of L.A. Guns last year, but. There are kind of two versions of LA Guns, and in what? So they're suing suing each other now. Is that what's happening, Victor? Yeah,
2: the Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns version is now suing the Steve Riley version, um, saying something to the effect of um, uh, that there was never a legal, uh, there was nothing legally set in stone that Riley could use the name. That, um, whatever paperwork that they put together, like never went through the you know, all the correct legal proceedings to, um, to make it official and legally binding. And apparently, now, you know, the typical thing that happens when you have multiple or you know, two bands with the same name where they fragmented this way, um, you know, they're claiming that. You know, they don't want to mislead fans and they, you know, it's harder for them to sell their band if Riley's out there and trying to tour the same places. And-
0: yeah, I kind of agree with it. You know, I I, I don't... I, I I can't think of any product or event, you know. It's like, you can't have two bands out there with the same name. It's like, you can't do that in sports. It's like, you can't do that anywhere else. It's like, I, I think... On a consumer level that we should just uh, have one L.A. guns out there, one rat out there. You know, I I do. I do think that that that's that's the smart thing to do and the fair thing to do. However, you know, I'm also against, you know, I like a free market and I, I think you should let capitalism Take over that But it is misleading too You know Because I, I, I know like For that brief period Where there were like Two rats out there touring I know somebody was like Yeah I'm going to see Rat And it, meanwhile It was like Bobby Blotzer Was the only member The drummer You know And they, they thought They were right. going to see Steven And this is obviously Casual fan And there's a lot of Casual fans out there I mean right. It's not all the A lot of A lot of The people who show up At these shows It is the casual fan It's not the You know People who even are on blabbermouth every day or, or know that there's two rats or two LA guns. So I, I get it. I get it. And if I were Phil Lewis or, or, you know, Tracy guns or something, I, I would want the other one shut down too. I, so I, I, I kind of side with them and having seen the, what's the guy's name? Riley, uh, Steve Riley. Yeah, yeah. Steve Riley. Having seen his version of LA guns last year, and also what I'll call the real version of LA guns with, with, phil lewis and tracy guns um they were both good i mean but the the phil lewis version is is just so much better honestly and but i did enjoy seeing the other one at, at m3 last year they did fine and i are they i know they the other the version the riley version is playing m3 again this year so i'm wondering if that's what spawned this lawsuit are they are they also playing other shows
2: I would I would imagine that's yeah, the case. Okay. You know, I I would think that the M3 is the is the big thing because that's probably a you know, decent chunk of change to them right. and they've also been signed to um to a label um Gold Robot who has Kings X and a few other bands um that are, you know, hard rock bands. And I'm I'm assuming that that also hurts these guys put out you know if they're searching for a, a deal if their frontiers deal is done you know it's probably harder for them to to find a label as well because it's kind of the sa- the same deal you've got a limited amount of labels that are probably willing to to sign them um so i mean if someone is signing the riley version instead it's it's closing doors for them so
0: right right yeah, so I get that, I get that And speaking of Guns, Guns and Roses Richard Fortus is saying something like He hopes we hear new music I guess we being the public and the fan base Hear new music from the band this year, 2020 Predictions, do you think that's going to happen?
2: <laughs> um... If it doesn't happen this year, I don't think we'll ever see it. I mean, let me put it to you that way. Um, I don't think we'll see it, though.
0: Okay. I don't know. I I mean, I want to see it. I want to hear it just because I'm curious. Yeah. But will we see it? I don't know. I'm I'm hesitant to say yes on that myself. But I do feel that Axel is more secure with Slash and Duff back in the band. and with old Chinese democracy unreleased stuff still continuing to get leaked and and surface. Maybe he's more anxious than ever to put out some some new music. Uh but but we shall see. Only time will tell and yeah, I'm hopeful too, just like Richard Fortas is hopeful. And yeah, so we are Victor Ruez and Mark Striegel, and this is an episode of Talking Metal. But I wanted to remind everyone that we do this pretty much exactly this, right, Victor? We just turn on yeah. the mics and talk. We don't even really plan things out too much ahead of time. Uh, sometimes not at all. We have no idea what we're even going to talk about. We just turn the mics on, and we release a podcast every Friday. And it is, unlike Talking Metal, a podcast you have to pay to get. It is $2 a month, basically. Um, And what you do is subscribe to the Patreon page or join us on Patreon. Become a patron on Patreon. Um, and that gives you access to this bonus podcast. And you can really, you can pledge whatever amount of money you want to on Patreon. However, to get that podcast, it has to be at least $2 a month, which with, you know, four or more podcasts a month, that breaks down to, what, 50 cents an episode? And yeah, so we just wanted to give everyone a taste, all the Talking Metal listeners, a taste of kind of what we do on on the Mark Striegel Show every week and of course Victor has his own podcasts plural right Victor Mars attacks being the flagship podcast is that a, is that accurate
2: yes the the sinking ship i mean the flagship <laughs> the, yes the sinking
0: <laughs> flagship okay <laughs> right which you don't release those on a regular basis it's kind of it's when you do them you do them type of thing right
2: uh, yeah unfortunately i I'd, I'd, I'd love to do more but there's just so many outside circumstances that, uh, just keep me from doing them on a regular basis. So right. Ho- ho- hopefully I can get back to a point where I can release them weekly like I did before. Uh, but just a lot of crap <laughs> going on in my personal life that right. just keeps me from doing them regularly.
0: All right. Fair enough. And the uh, Galaxy of Geeks is a show you have, too. I know, so people can check that out. And all this yes. stuff, Mars Attacks, Galaxy of Geeks, all up on, on uh, all your normal podcasting outlets, right? Um, yes. Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, I would just assume.
2: Yeah, Spotify. Spotify so on cool. and so forth, yeah.
0: Now, let me ask you, did you ever, like, with Spotify, did your podcast kind of just appear there, or did you approach them and have to ask them to... Distribute the podcast or like, you know, submit your RSS feed to them.
2: Yeah, I had to submit everything to them.
0: With me, it's weird. Like, I didn't, and one day they just kind of showed up there. So,
2: is that maybe from uh, your
0: podcasting hosting? Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be right. It's got to be.
2: I would figure they probably, you know, because I Spotify initially went after certain shows of certain sizes and I'm assuming that with um what's the name of the service? Art twelve or what's uh, the art uh, nineteen,
0: yeah, art is my 19. is the service that distributes my podcast, yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I would assume because there's some pretty big name uh shows on there that they probably approach them and got all their shows, and, and Got all the shows, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. It doesn't yeah mean
0: no, I'm... it's a good assumption, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And we do talking metal .net and when I say we I mean Victor and I post posts on talkingmetal.net or no what am I saying that's, Talking that's I don't even know my website <laughs> talkingmetal.com and talkingrock.net it's about yes. time I, I learned my websites but talkingrock.net is a place where we post um we post stuff and Victor does a great column every Friday that lists all the new music that you should know about that's being released, which I always love going to and clicking on the links you put up and reading what you have to say about stuff, Victor. So thank you for doing that. And again, every Friday new music is released and TalkingRock.net is the place to go to find out what that music is and to listen to what that music, uh, how that music sounds. And yeah, yeah, I, I threw it out there because, you know, we get, some traffic on TalkingRock.net, um, and I did mention in a previous episode. I was just curious to do, do people go there, and I did get you know get some responses from some people I don't normally hear from. So cool, it uh, made me ex- you know feel like we're doing the right thing at least for now to keep TalkingRock.net going. If uh, if you don't go there definitely add it to your favorites and we'd love it if you drop by and, and check in every now and again. All the podcasts I do with the exception of The Mark Striegel Show which is exclusive to Patreon um are are up there that includes the talking metal podcast and talkingrock.net we also post victor's uh, mars attacks podcast there right victor and galaxy of geeks gets posted there so there's a lot of podcasts that you can check out there as well as just regular news items and stuff on the the news feed and again that's talkingrock.net and kind of easing into the new year here but I am going to start scheduling some interviews I did start a new job in the fall of 2019 and it was supposed to be a seasonal but I'm going to stay on with them indefinitely at this point so trying to kind of still wrap my head around this new schedule and working a lot of hours but um you know I do want to uh I don't even know where I was going with that I do want to you know keep the content going on talkingrock.net and uh keep the podcast going and stuff. I kind of lost my train of thought there. But yeah, Neil Pert, rest in peace, right, Victor? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean what, what what a kind of tragic life too. He he lost his his wife and and daughter. Um within a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just just terrible just to to go through that. I can't imagine. He but, did remarry though. Yeah, rebounded, remarried and and continued to to make music. And, uh, but still age 67, that's far too young to, to leave us in today's times. And yeah, man. So I guess we'll leave it there. So Victor, have a great week. Uh, I'll see you in a, in a few days to record the next episode of the Mark Striegel show available on our Patreon platform, which is patreon.com slash talking metal. So, uh, yeah, check us out there. And there's more than just a podcast there. There's all sorts of posts and discussions and people like Stephen Saylor and Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, and a big crew over there. 30-some people all kind of uh, getting together and having private conversations there on Patreon. So, all right, Victor. Well, thanks as always. And what should we do to take us out? Do you want, should we hit LA Guns or do we want to hit another Rush song? your choice Um, or something else. I mean, I'm leaving it totally up to you. Anything you want to play.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay. I'm putting Uh, you on the
0: spot. So take your time.
2: Put me on the spot. You love doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Mark, Mark loves to ask me questions that we, you know, like he said before, you know, we, we normally don't prepare. So he usually, he likes leaving me these zingers. So
0: no, anything, man, don't stress (laughs) out. Don't stress out over it. If there's any song that you're like digging right now, or, you know, I, you know what I'm digging, and neither one are metal, but I, I really love the new record by The Who. It's called Who, Okay. and I really love uh, Desert Session. I don't really love it, but I, I will say love is a strong word. I like it a lot. Desert Sessions volume, I guess it's 11 and 12. Uh, right. Billy, Billy from ZZ Top doing some really cool falsetto vocals on one of the tunes and a, just a kind of all-star group of people jamming with josh from queens of the stone age the desert sessions disc is good um what what are you thinking though what do you what should we play
2: um let's see uh it can be
0: anything throw throw if you got something that you, that you want to promote yeah. or, or anything
2: no let's let's do uh let, let's do uh an obscure rush track here okay. which i always thought was cool uh name name of the track is um armor and sword and this comes off of the album snakes and arrows
0: cool let's do it here on talking metal support all the bands and music we play on talking metal by streaming them legally on spotify and apple music and downloading their music and buying their cds and all that good stuff all right thanks victor we'll check you out soon
2: all right, thanks.
3: The snakes and arrows, a child is there to are enough to leave a thousand cuts. We build our defenses a place of safety and leave the dark place. Dream.